Coming to you from the Eon Project Studios, perched high atop the banks of the majestic Blackstone River. Greetings from the jewel of the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. Oh, hey there. Hey, how you doing today? What's going on, buddy? Oh, you know, it's been a while since our last show. Yeah, what happened? We had a break. We had a little break. Summertime. Summer, we went on family adventures. We went on a family adventure uh, individually. Yeah. And then also we uh, confluenced. Right, unbeknownst to us, we happened to be in the same place at the same time. Which is synchronicity at its best. It was, yeah. uh, We actually, I wanted to discuss a little bit about that later. Oh, okay. Um, But yeah, we had a little bit of a break. We we played a couple of our our older shows. Well, one of our older shows. We did, yeah. uh, A tribute to Mr. R. Gary Patterson, the rock and roll historian who passed away recently. Great guy. uh, A fountain of rock and roll knowledge. Yeah, and he was a great, uh, great guest on the show uh, that we had a number of years ago. Very enlightening. We talked about the Beatles' death uh, clues. You know what was extra cool about him? What's that? He was, uh, he was very accessible. Yeah. Because, you know, he's done, he's, he's done uh, world-famous radio programs. Yes. He's done TV shows. He's written books. Mm-hmm. And I just emailed the guy, uh, and he gave me his phone number, and I called him up. Yeah. And he was on the air. Yeah, he was. That, that didn't take much at all. That nah, was cool. Uh, I just want to apologize in advance. My, uh, my voice is a little... Uh, off this week, I'm feeling a little under the weather. I was wondering why you sounded like Barry White. But I'm uh, I'm I'm soldiering on. Mm. Why do they call it under the weather? Is anyone's voice ever over the? Or is anyone feeling? I'm feeling over well, the. Well, if weather you're under today. the, like you, we're on Earth, right? So the weather usually is above weather's, us. Yeah, if weather's below you, you're either in a plane, right? Or so if you're under the weather, the weather's just coming down upon you. I wouldn't. I, where did that phrase come from? I don't know. I don't know. But you know, it's funny you mentioned that. When I was on vacation, there was a book of. Uh, common everyday phrases and their origins. Oh, those the, are always uh, interesting to in me. In the vacation home, and I was reading it. It was were there, interesting. Were there any that stuck out to you that were uh, that you can recall at this time? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I put you on the spot, I know. You did. Sorry about that. So what, what are we talking about this week? So this week, we got a couple of different topics, and I don't think they could be even, uh, well, they're not even related. Not even a little bit. Not even close. And so, just so everybody knows, this program is, we talk about a wide variety of things, um, and, and they usually come from a lot of different, they come from a lot of different areas, but we don't often... Uh, coordinate what we're each going to talk about. We just tell the other person what our topic is going to be, and then we have a half-and-half show um, that are completely unrelated, which some people enjoy, some people don't. Uh, Some people find it distracting. They want a whole whole show about one topic. Yeah. But we feel that it provides more value if you have more than one topic. And I think especially since we're, we're not really experts on anything. No. It's difficult to keep people engaged for long periods of time on a certain topic. When we don't know what the hell we're talking about. No. Hey, you know, before we begin into our topics, a uh, little bit of show news. Mm. Um, we recently learned this week we, we are truly now an international show. We, we were That's before, true. We yeah. were before. We had some listeners out in Europe uh, and in the Far East. Yep. But we uh, we learned that we have a, a bunch of listens in Chile. Yes, the South American uh, exotic country along the coast. So if if, if if you are listening from Chile, hola, amigos. Ah, Chile. Is it Santiago, Chile? Do they speak Spanish in Chile? I believe they do. Is it Chile or Chile? It's, uh, well, yeah. It's Chile. It's warm today. It has the exante gu oh. on the e. I don't think that's called that in, in uh, Spanish. What's it called in Spanish? Exante <laughs> No, I don't know. I don't know. Oh. Well, this week we got a couple, couple of different topics. Jason yeah. is going to be discussing the Mothman. The Mothman. And uh, I will be discussing the curious um, instances where serial killers contact the authorities or the press mm. while whilst in the midst of their crimes. They do. Which, we're not going to discuss the serial killers themselves so much other than the communications and, and perhaps why they're communicating. So I, I always found that to be fascinating. That's interesting. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. I think before we get going, though, I have a public service announcement for those of you out there. Oh. Something to keep in mind, uh, 
so a lot of us have the, the, the new Bluetooth technology, right? Yes. Where, uh, you know, you can connect wirelessly through the ether to uh, That's always been scary to me. different electronic devices, right? It's just magic. It's like magical. It is. It's bizarre, but it's convenient at the same time. Sure. So I have the, the Bluetooth connection in my, uh, in my vehicle, right, uh-huh. where you connect your phone and, uh, you know, you can, you can communicate via the speakers in the car and all that stuff. Yeah, so like a, when, a, when a phone call comes in... It just you just speak into the air and exactly it goes, okay. exactly. Yep. But something you need to be uh, quite aware of when this is occurring is you need to know who you're talking to, and you need to know <laughs> that's the, always beneficial. You need to know the volume at which you're speaking. So I've noticed <laughs> that the 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 speakers people have a tendency when they're speaking on Bluetooth to crank it to yell real loud. The well the, the they turn the radio up so everything is blaring. You can hear it through the vehicle, right? And you can hear it on the so outside. So let me ask you this: Yeah, if, if you turn the volume up, the 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 call coming in mm. is louder. But is your voice also as loud no. on the other end? Oh, oh on, on the other end? Yeah. Oh, I don't think I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, they'd have to control that on the other end. Oh. But the reason I mention this is because I was going through a uh, a, a drive through the other day, mm. and I went to the me- I was ta- having a conversation prior. I, I was having a Bluetooth conversation on the phone prior to going to the menu board. Mm-hmm. Um, I failed to mention to the person I was speaking with that I was going to be around other individuals. So <laughs> as I answered the phone, and I'm, I'm proceeding from the menu board to the drive-through you're window. In the, you're in the purgatory between the, the menu board and the, the, the actual picking right. up of your food. And as I'm rolling up to the window, and the, the person on the other end was just playing. They didn't realize I was around others, but I think they were just trying to be silly and say something silly. Mm-hmm. And they said something along the lines, and I'll clean it up a little bit, mm-hmm. that I want to ravage your buttocks. <laughs> all night long, and it was a joke, ah. but it was said uh, in a in a more. Um, Are you sure that was a joke? Because knowing you, I don't think that's a joke. It was said and not so no not so cleanly, so so to speak. Oh, so so the uh, the denizens of the fast food establishment heard. That's that's correct. She was handing me my beverage as this is occurring, Whoa. and uh, gave me a strange look. You know, I'm going to tell you, that 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 is, that is a public service announcement. Here's yeah. another one. Do you want to know how to how to get free beverages at fast food establishments? Sure. Here's what you do. All right. Don't uh, actually. Here's don't do this. Don't do it. No. Don't do this. But you could do it. Okay. So basically, what you do is, every time you go up and you buy, you order your food. Let's say you order a combo meal. Mm-hmm. You order. You get a beverage with that. So you drive up, and typically you hand your money. As you're handing your money, mm. whether it's in the form of, of cash or a credit card, if you hand them a fake credit card or somebody else's credit card or an expired credit card or whatever. Mm. They give you the beverage right away whilst mm. they process the sale. Yeah. You could just peel out and have a free beverage. Well, here's what happens. That's happened to me before. Oh. And not intentionally. I had, there was an issue with the card for some reason or the machine that they were swiping the card with. So you were already in possession of the beverage and your card did not go I was through. in possession of the beverage and I thought I was going to abscond That's with the right, beverage. That's right, you're a thief. She forced me to give it back. You, of course you have to give it back. You didn't pay for it. But I had already taken, I had taken possession of the beverage. Did you take I a sip out of it? I already de-sheathed the straw. It was out of, out of its sheath. And I, I inserted the straw into the beverage. Well. And wow, she made me give it back. You've committed a theft act. Sir. Uh, a five cent beverage. She made me give it back, which she would probably was but just going to throw, throw it out away. Anyway. Well, she's not going to. Well, you know who knows. Uh, if they, if maybe they, they reused the cup. Serve I don't it know. to somebody else. I don't that know. was that was uh, that wasn't right. Well, anyway, that's enough nonsense. Intelligent tomfoolery for for uh, at least for now. So the first topic of the day uh, is a a mysterious, enigmatic. Uh, I love the word enigmatic. Incident that occurred. Uh, that's called the Mothman. The Mothman incident. Mm. Uh, it, it, combine, it combines UFOs, paranormal uh, yes. events, uh, psychological uh, nonsense. And uh, time travel. Time travel, uh, time slippages, men in black. Yes. It's almost like a Hollywood movie, but it, 
supposedly is real. Wasn't it a Hollywood movie, though, with Richard Gere? It was. We're not going to mention the gerbil. No. Anytime anyone ever mentions Richard Gere, they mention the gerbil, which is a completely nonsense story, by the way, that never happened. West Virginia, 1966. For 13 months, the town of Point Pleasant is gripped by a real-life nightmare, culminating in a tragedy that makes headlines around the world. Strange occurrences and sightings, including a bizarre winged apparition that becomes known as the Mothman. Trouble this ordinary community. Can you believe it? I can believe that voice is awesome. Keep going. Mysterious lights are seen moving across the sky. Domestic animals are found slaughtered and mutilated, among other bizarre and strange occurrences. That's actually taken from the book, The Mothman Prophecies, by author John Keel. God rest Thank his you. soul. Thank you for uh, for citing that. I can't stand where people plagiarize. No, I had to do that. I you can't get, steal. You gotta, you gotta. I can't steal from a man who's long dead. That no, would be wrong. No, his estate would come after you. But anyway, so we're going to be discussing the Mothman, yeah. and the Mothman was an incident that occurred uh, in. In November of 1966 up until December of 1967. Uh, and it was a series of strange uh, incidents that occurred with a, uh, a a winged, as I stated earlier, some sort of creature, a bizarre creature. And it initially started with uh, some sightings, uh, a couple animal disappearances, uh, and, and the, the creature kind of ravaged the town and, and scared the folk. It ravaged the animals. It, it did things to animals. That we don't know why. No, we don't know why. But the Mothman creature uh, reportedly seen in the Charleston and Point Pleasant areas of West Virginia from November of 66 to December of 67, as I stated. And most observers describe this Mothman as a winged man-sized creature with large reflective eyes and a large moth wings. Ooh, what you say moth wings? Moth, like a moth. Like what's the difference? Oh, you mean like a butterfly? Yeah, kind of, I guess. But it had large wings, and I think they were just looking for a cool name for you, it. You know, you're absolutely right. I was just about to say, because they don't want to call it the Butterfly Man, because no, that doesn't sound, no. good. That doesn't sound scary man, at all. Nat Man, not Nat, cool. Uh, mosquito Man, mm. uh, Dragonfly Man. Dragonfly Bat- Man would be scary. Actually, Batman was already taken, obviously, at yep. that time. The Adam West oh. Batman was on. I think, you know what, I was going to mention this later, but maybe I'll mention it now. Wasn't okay. there a Marvel character named Moth, or DC character named Mothman, or the, the Moth, or something like that? Uh, There's an obscure Batman, you know how they all have their own little universes? Yeah, yeah. There's an obscure character in in Batman, I believe, is called the Moth or the Mothman. Hmm, so maybe some, one of our listeners should correct me. You should and send in a, send in a note, a note. So that creature was sometimes reported as having no head, with the eyes set into the chest. So they they say that it kind of looked like just it blend it all kind of blended together. Ah, that's scary. I don't think they ever uh, there was ever a sighting where they actually could make out any very specific feature. It was it was more like a shadowy figure um, that moved about. Uh, and had red glowing eyes. Mm. So one of the first incidences was on... Incidences or incidents? Incidents. Incidents. I put an extra incidences in there. Incidences. On November 15th, 1966, two young married couples from Point Pleasant, that would be David and Linda Scarberry, and Steve and Mary Millette, were traveling late night in the Scarberry's car. They were passing the West Virginia Ordnance Works which at the time was an abandoned World War II TNT factory. Oh, they're, they're passing an abandoned factory in the middle of the night. I think they were up to some shenanigans. And as we all know, the things that happen at abandoned TNT factories. That happens all the time. About seven miles north of Point Pleasant is where this incident occurred, and that's in a 2,500-acre uh, wildlife management area mm-hmm. called the McClintic Wildlife Management Area. Again, they're going to an abandoned area. Right, and they noticed two red lights in the shadows by an old generator plant near the factory gate. So they noticed two red lights kind of uh, hovering and floating about. So they stopped the car as any uh, youthful uh, 
exciting adventure goers would do. I wouldn't stop the car. Why not? Why would you? Well, they're investigating. Maybe one day we'll di- we'll discuss the the uh, real life incident that uh, that you and I had as youths, uh, where we encountered a a a uh, a paranormal esque mm. thing, and we we did not stop. We we didn't stop. No. Well, we we had to do a quick turn we to get to, out of there. Yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that another time. Sorry. So the lights that were they they thought the lights were coming from a the red eyes of a large animal, and it was shaped like a man, but bigger, maybe six and a half or seven feet tall with wings folded against its back. Mm. And that was according to Roger Scarberry, who uh, who witnessed this. Now, it was the 60s, keep in mind. A lot of drugs floating around. A lot of, a lot of strange hallucinogens. Yep. Uh, people would, would just clamor through the wilderness and eat bits of bark on the ground and see what would happen. <laughs> so maybe that's what happened. I don't know. Um, but I'm going to cite the book called Alien Animals by Jeanette, or excuse me, Janet and Colin Board. And they say a poltergeist attack on the Car- Scarberry home occurred later that night, during which the creature was seen several times. So apparently it was stalking the Scarberries uh, from their initial uh, uh, encounter so with the them animal. home. Yes. So when you say poltergeist attack, like things flying Things flying air. about, yeah. you know, uh, unexplained things moving around. Interesting. Things of that sort. But, you know, obviously the word of the creature spread quickly because the Scarberries, uh, they went ahead and started telling people what they saw. And so... On the 16th of November, the townspeople were armed with various weaponry, and they began looking for the creature. Like pitchforks. And yeah, it sounds like a Frankenstein movie. Yes. They must go get the monster. Mm-hmm. Why do they always pick pitchforks? I know that, you know, not too many pitchforks lying around these days. You can find one in, uh, in antique stores or once in a while. I guess it just goes to the, uh, you know, the farmer, you know, the average everyday I, I suppose, man. I suppose. You know? So Mr. and Mrs. Raymond Wamsley and Mrs. Marcella Bennett, with her infant daughter, Tina in tow, were in a car en route to visit their friends near the TNT plant. Again, going to the TNT plant for some reason. Why is a TNT plant in, 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 the, in the route of everyone? I don't know. It's like on the way. But the creature, it must have been his home. Sure. His lair, if, they, if you will. If you have a lair, that means you're either a monster or an evil genius. Mm. How do you say it, though? Lair. 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 Yeah. They were heading back to their car when a figure appeared behind their parked vehicle. Why were they parked? Who knows? They were up to shenanigans, I told you. Mrs. Bennett said that it seemed it, <clears throat> excuse me, that it had been lying down, slowly rising up from the ground. He was l- drunk. Large and gray with glowing red eyes. Again, he was drunk. Again, yes. glowing red eyes is, a, is a, uh, a distinct feature of the Mothman. Yes. So at this point, he's just kind of scaring people. Right. Um, hasn't really done anything much yet. Um, but what Wamsley, she... she Phoned the police because she was frightened, obviously. The creature walked onto her porch and peered in at them through the window. That's scary. I don't like it when things peer into a house and no. look at you. That's scary to me. You scare folks because I think I don't you look do at that, people don't you? When, you know, not in my adulthood. Mm. No. So as a youth, would you experiment with uh, um, neighborhood stalking? Well, you know, it's it's not stalking when you're under 18. Oh, okay. It's so just, it's it's youth youthful shenanigans. So your uh, your your juvenile record is sealed. It's been expunged. Mm. On November twenty fourth of that same year, four people reported seeing the creature flying over the TNT area again. Mm. So it seems to me that they need to do something about the TNT area. Yes. Maybe drop some ordinance on it or something. Well, it's a TNT area. It would go up without a, without much problem. That's true. On the morning of November twenty fifth, Thomas Uri, who was driving along Route sixty two just north of the TNT uh, factory again. Claimed to have seen the creature standing in a field. Wait a minute. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Wasn't there a, a musical group in the 1990s called the TNT Factory? That was CNC Music Factory. Oh, and they sang the Everybody Dance Now song. Pause, take a breath and go for yours. I wonder oh, if my command, now hit the dance floor. Yeah, that was beautiful. them. I wonder if it's related to this at all. I'm sorry. Good CNC and TNT? 
TNT and CNC. Oh, maybe we should start a band and call it the CNC TNT Factory. Or the TNC Factory. Oh, the TNA Just Factory. Mix them up. Oh, continue. Yeah. So they claim to have seen the creature standing in a field, and then it spread its wings and flew alongside his car as he sped toward the Point Pleasant Sheriff's Office. Oh. So clearly he has no regard for authority. No. They're going to the police. He's still flying he's alongside fly of the car. Alongside. Maybe he wants to file a complaint. Maybe he does. Maybe he's maybe he wants to file a complaint against these people that are bothering him. That we're going into the TNT factory. In his home. Up to no good, I tell you. Mm, I'm drinking a warm hot tea today, I and see it's a that. warm day. It, you know what? Let's give a plug to the to the wonderful people at Dunkin' Donuts who are not a sponsor of this show. They're not. But they provide some delicious beverages that get us through these these broadcasts. They do. And the majority of the time, they're relatively friendly, but sometimes they get angry at you. If you order more than one thing, they get angry. Yeah, like if, at the drive-thru, yes. you try to order a sandwich no, or something? No, you can't do that. No, they don't like that. No, you can only order one thing, uh, otherwise you start getting the... Mm. Mm. And then they get mad... And then they start throwing things around, and the next thing you know, your Big and Toasted has some uh, some things in it that yep. are not supposed to be in there. So on November 26th, Mrs. Ruth Foster of Charleston, West Virginia, which is not too far from there, reportedly saw Mothman standing on her front lawn. Oh, he's just standing there. He's just standing there. He was he was checking out the the, uh, the the green grass. He was there to read the meter. But the creature was gone by the time her brother-in-law went out to investigate it. Further on the morning of November 27th, the creature allegedly pursued a young woman near Mason, West Virginia, and was reported again in St. Albans the same night by two children. So now you wonder if Lots it's... Lots of different sightings. You wonder if it's just uh, now the word has gotten out, right? And so like... Yeah, people copycats are, and... Uh, people are seeing things sure. uh, that may not necessarily be there. Right. So what do you think's going on? What do you think it is? What do you think's happening uh, now? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said what you said about, you know, now that word has gotten out, mm. uh, because then then people start attributing everything that they see that's out of the ordinary. And you know, you've lived in the woods before. You've lived in rural areas. Mm-hmm. And there's things in the woods. There's animals. There's, you know, as you said, wandering drunks high on uh, mushrooms. Who knows what it is wandering through the woods? But they, they uh, automatically um, transfer the characteristics of the sighting that they heard about onto what they just saw. Right. So, so some, that, a lot of times that leads to those things. Some people think that the origins of the Mothman, um, in which we're going we're gonna to get to um, the main tragedy that occurred associated with the Mothman, but a lot of people think that the, the Mothman uh, incidents were... Incident, incident, I keep saying it. Incident? Incident. It's incident. Incident. Stop it. Okay. Uh, was caused or initiated by... <clears throat> excuse me. I have a something in my throat there. I see that. By a curse by an, uh, of a Native American oh. who was wronged by the white man back in the 1770s. Weren't they all? Yeah. So his 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 Native American name, which I'm not really sure of because I can't pronounce it, something like Hoskelosqua. Uh, that sounds about right. His his Americanized name would have been Cornstalk. Oh, that's a cool name. And Cornstalk was a, Cornstalk. Pro- he was a prominent leader of the Shawnee Nation just prior to the uh, American Revolution. So Cornstalk, he opposed European settlement, obviously, uh, of the Ohio River in his youth, but later he became an advocate for peace. Mm-hmm. So one day, Cornstalk, he uh, you know, was going about his day and thought he'd make a nice uh, diplomatic uh, visit to, the, to Fort Randolph okay. to try to uh, you know, broker peace between the natives uh, and the Americans. So what did the Americans do? They shot at him. Well, no, they took him hostage. Yeah, they do that. They, uh, they captured him, and uh, he was detained by the fort commander, and then... That's not very nice. Apparently, uh, at some point, some Indians were killed, or excuse me, they trying to rescue them. Excuse or me, Indians killed some white men. Oh, so they they uh, took out their they took out their frustrations on Cornstalk. Oh no, and uh, his son Ilinskipako. Oh him, and two other Shawnees. Oh, and they killed them. That's not. They nice. killed them at the fort. But 
supposedly, and Cornstalk in his dying breath, cursed the, the area, cursed the Point Pleasant area there in West Virginia and Ohio, uh-huh. that, that particular uh, part of the Ohio River Valley. Mm-hmm. And because of that, uh, years later, the Mothman manifested itself uh, due to the uh, the curse of Cornstalk. Do you know what the what the substance of the curse was? Like, did he say... Uh, he know, said, you will be forever cursed... By a curse. By me, Cornstalk. That's about right. That's, that's about it. That sounds. No, like, I don't have the. Uh, I don't have the Shawnee that, translation. Ladies in front and gentlemen, that was that. That is a traditional uh, Native American curse. You'll be cursed by me, Cornstalk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and he's buried right there, by the way. Oh. By uh, right near the bridge that uh, we're that we're going to talk about here shortly. Right. Yeah. Well, that's interesting so far. It is anything that can be related to a Native American curse is always interesting. There's lots of those floating around. There's lots of them. And you know what? You know what? Also, I find is an interesting phenomenon amongst people is that. Everyone thinks, if you talk to every person, they think that they have a Native American ancestor. Everybody does. Everybody's part Indian. I, but I know some legitimate Native American folks mm-hmm. who are very, very proud. They're very proud people. Yes. But as you state, I think everybody thinks that they have uh, Native American in their, in their ancestry, and a lot of them don't. That's true. And, you know, I, I going back to, uh, and we're going to do a show on DNA oh. at some point. But, you know, there was always that story in my family that, that we had a Native American princess in our family, and that, that story perpetuated for generations. Is that why they call you princess? They do. They call me uh, Princess Tiki Tacky. Hmm. So uh, I went ahead and took a couple DNA tests from uh, competing companies. Yeah, didn't we discuss that before? Just, just briefly. But guess what? Guess how much percentage uh, Native American I am? I don't remember. Zero. Oh, both tests showed them zero percent. So it was. So it's an old family uh, legend that it turns out not to be true. Well, if there was one, it got diluted enough to the point where I. It did, That's pretty diluted because doesn't it pick up? Some, it does. Something it very, does. very minuscule. So I'm gonna ha- go ahead and say that uh, no Native American, not in my blood anyway. That's too bad. Doesn't it? Doesn't necessarily. Uh, it's not a negative thing, you know, that you don't have that in your blood. No, no. I mean, everybody has their own Everybody's, history. You have to be you, man. You got to be unique. You can't be you. You can't be anybody but you. That's true. So one of the main. Uh, disasters um, that's associated with the Mothman is that after his reign of terror for the year where he was uh, killing dogs and well, well, let me scaring stop people. You for a minute. Yeah. So in in all this this reign of terror that you just said, was there any injuries to, to humans? Were there any 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 attack physical attacks? Uh, well there was one lady, uh, the lady that I talked about earlier with the with the child Tina that apparently dropped her child. Oh. She she saw the Mothman, she got scared. That's she, not the Mothman's fault. She dropped her child and ran. And as we she, all know, did she have, throw the child at the Mothman as a, some sort of sacrifice? Either that, or she was trying to fend him off. I don't know. Oh. But uh, when you wing a baby at something, we all know that dropping a child is never good. No, and uh, so she must have truly been frightened. Sure. Um, there was some, like I said, there was some uh, uh, animal uh, uh, mutilations. There was a guy named Merle Partridge, who of the Partridge family, he was one of the early the early um, uh, witnesses to the Mothman. Apparently, the Mothman uh, came, he heard some noise, he went outside, he saw the Mothman, he got scared. Oh. His dog was out there. He ran in the house, left his dog left out, the dog. To, left the dog to fend for itself. There's a common denominator in all of these stories. Everyone is, yeah. a, is, everyone is a coward. So Merle ran inside, grabbed his shotgun. Oh, he went to go grab a gun. He did. He barricaded himself in his house, and then uh, he stayed there all night, and then when he went out looking for his dog again, it was gone. The dog was missing. And then, uh, I think like a week later, there was a mutilated dog found on the side of the road. Was it that dog or another dog? It could have been Merle's dog. Could have been another dog. Who knows? You know what? This whole thing sounds like it's an animal. Mm. Because like a bear or like some sort of large mammal. 
Well, that that was one of the theories is that it was just the misidentification of a known animal. Well, because when, animal. You, when you think about the, the circumstances, you know, it's an animal that's attacking other animals. Most wild animals don't attack humans unless the human is uh, threatening to it or it's young or something like that. True. They, they said that uh, that some people thought that maybe it was the misidentification of a sandhill crane. A crane? Like a bird? Yeah. I don't think sandhill so cranes eat dogs. I don't, I don't know if you could. I, I don't know if you could confuse the two. Could no. you? Probably not. Especially if it's flying along the side of your car and it's like trying to attack you. Maybe there's a species of flying bear that we're just not assuming. Imagine that. Mm. Flying grizzly bears. I wouldn't leave the house. No. You imagine that? Flying grizzly bears? You know what's even worse than that? What's that? Sharknado. Yeah, that would be bad. I wouldn't leave the house for sharknados either. No. So on December 15th, 1967, toward the end of the reign of terror uh, of the Mothman, the Mothman was uh, obviously, like I said, he was spotted several times that year. Um, and there was a bridge that exp- it spanned the Ohio River, mm-hmm. um, connecting West Virginia and Ohio. This was called the Silver Bridge. And on that day and date of 1967, there was a tragedy that occurred. The, the, the bridge was, it was choked with traffic. People going from one side to the other, traveling it's about. A popular bridge. Getting back and forth, getting across the river, because you know they weren't using barges to get uh, traffic across. So the people were traveling, uh, going about their day, and then suddenly... The Silver Bridge collapsed. Ooh. It collapsed under the weight of all the vehicles and people. Apparently, there was a fault in in uh, a structural fault that caused the collapse. But people believe that that the Mothman brought upon the. Uh, it, it's going back to Cornstalk's curse. Oh, so the Mothman caused the structural damage to the bridge, possibly. Or isn't it possible that the Mothman, uh, in, in in its sightings, and given the fact that it didn't harm any people, mm. was actually trying to warn people oh. about the impending That's an interesting theory. Damage. It's an interesting take on that. Yes, and then uh, th- that's why the Mothman was there uh, as a harbinger of doom and also a warning. Why couldn't he just like, uh, why couldn't he like rent one of those uh, those planes that you see flying in the sky that have the banners With behind the banner. them? Yeah, you don't see those too much. At the beach you see them. Yeah, you see those a lot. Do you think they're effective advertising? People look up. They, I know I they do. They look up, but do you ever like, do, do I ever go to, the, I don't You I'm ever not, go to like uh, Pete's Taco Stand or something like that? I'm not a big fan of advertising in general. As a matter of fact, if something is irritating, like if there's a com- if there's a commercial that's irritating, mm. I will purposely never go to that establishment. Yeah. You know what's an annoying commercial? And if you're in the area, if you're in this local area, you'll know what I'm talking about. It comes on the radio. It's it's the commercial for the Block Island Ferry. Oh, the Block Island He's Ferry, like, yes. Come away to Block Island. And it's like some sort of pseudo Yeah, like it's a Calypso yes. song. And yes. you're like, and a steel drum is playing and you're like, what are you doing? You can't tell if it's a woman or a kid. This or... is New England. This is Block Island. It's not, uh, it's not the, the Caribbean. Tropics. No, it's not. No. It's annoying. You're, you're absolutely right. I, and as a, as a result, I will never go to Block Island. And the Block Island Ferry is not something you want to be upon either. It's, I've it's, never uh, been on the Block it's Island. It's crowded. Ferry. It smells like diesel fuel. Ooh. It's uh, there's, there's drunken folks uh, everywhere. I've been on the Long Island Ferry. Which is actually really nice, the Long Island Ferry. Oh yeah, yeah. It takes you takes you all the way from uh, Connecticut to Long Island. Mm. Uh, saves the traffic from driving all the way. You know, if you had to go to Long Island, right? Or you have to go all the way through Connecticut and around the tip. That's there. correct. You got to go through the city. Yeah. But if you if you take the uh, if you take the ferry, you don't have to. Oh, so you get you drive your car right on the boat, huh? So yes. So if if the Long Island Ferry is listening, uh, we we are, we are accepting sponsorships mm. on this show. So 46 people died on the uh, oh, the Silver funny. Bridge collapse, and only uh, actually two people were never recovered. Uh, they recovered 44 of the bodies. So two people somehow got swept away. That's terrible. Or perhaps the Mothman came and took them back to his lair. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Yep. So, so that's the end of the Mothman So what story. are some of the theories, though? What do you I, think? Again, I, I feel like based on what you've discussed and what I knew about the Mothman going into it, that, that, that it's probably an animal, mm. uh, a large animal. 
uh, that's probably not um, often found in that area, and as you said, misidentified. Uh, as you all, as you well know, that at night, uh, certain animals' eyes reflect of light, course. yeah, uh, and can sometimes appear red or or yellow or some sort of weird yeah. color. Cats. When you see a cat, you know, in a tree line or something like that at night, it looks like you don't know what that is. Yeah, that's, you that's, see the eyes. That sounds that sounds reasonable, but I, I tend to believe that it was cornstalk. Yep. I think it was Cornstalk coming back from the beyond to, to take revenge for his unfortunate nickname from the great beyond, and uh, he was he was taking out his uh, his frustrations after years of uh, uh, lingering in purgatory, and uh, finally came to be and scared the people. You know, there's a lot more to this story than, than we've had time to discuss today. As a matter of fact, if you've ever, if you've ever seen the uh, the Mothman Prophecies movie, mm. which is a terrible movie by the way, it's not good, uh, and it's got all sorts of time slips and and uh, um, Confusing uh, right. visuals, and it's just not a good, not a good movie. But apparently, apparently, there were some uh, Men in Black sightings, and we're not talking about the Tommy Lee Jones, Will Smith, terrible Aliens movie from the '90s, which would have been more fun. But that phenomenon goes back before the movie. Actually, that's where they the movie got its title from, I believe. Yeah. Well, the Men in Black have been associated with UFO sightings for years, and that that goes back right. to the to the '40s. So there were some. There were some. Uh, at least one or two known Men in Black sightings in the Point Pleasant area during that time. Um, you know, just quick take on that. I yeah. know the show's not about the Men in Black, but I've done a lot of reading and research on the Men in Black. It, in all likelihood, Men in Black is probably just a generic term that they give to investigators from the government. Mm. If you've ever met investigators from the government, they're all very similar. Right. Uh, you know, they have very professional mannerisms. They they obviously they dress nicely. Uh, because they're trying to look professional, and the way they go about their business is very matter-of-factly, mm. and I think that that has translated into their creepy men in black. You know, could they be aliens? Could they be whatever? Uh, I think they're just people that are looking into things that are going on. I see, and they're just that's that's what they're taking. That makes at, sense, you know. But they always say, uh, you know, they tell people, "Hey, don't tell people that you spoke with us. Don't tell people." Well, you that's saw what they us. say. They say, yeah, who knows what they're actually saying? Who knows? Maybe they're just maybe they're maybe they're door to door vacuum salesmen, brush salesmen. Could be. I had a door to door salesman the other day. I hope you told them to go. You know what's pound funny? sand? I, I and I have I'm, I consider myself a nice person. Would you say I'm a nice person? No, you're off. No, I'm you're not really angry. nice. But anyway, so but when people come to your door and they're trying to sell you something, I try to be nice and 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 I'm never gonna buy anything that somebody brings to my door. Never. Mm. But. I try to be nice about it and say, no, thank you. I'm not interested. But the people, they refuse to take no for an answer. They do. They stand there uh, and keep keep you talking. And eventually, I lose patience and start, look, look, dude, you need to go. Yeah. Because I'm getting antsy with you standing here. So normally, I will never answer the door. But, but they see, what do you do? You hide? You like hide I, underneath the, uh, the windows? I, no, I actually, I stand there. The door's closed. Oh, you and just, I just stand, stand there? there and I stare at them <laughs> through the door. But does that work? No, a couple of years ago, right? <laughs> so we're actually, we're coming back from a vacation. And, uh, you know, it was a long trip. And I had a, a lot of supplies in my vehicle, and I was unloading the vehicle, so I was a busy, I was a busy character. And I seen a guy coming down the street. He looked looked a bit shady, but he was going door to door trying to sell certain things, right? Yep. So of course he comes up to me as I'm unloading unloading my uh, my accoutrement. He was trying to be very personable. I back into too. the house, yeah. No, at first he started out nice, mm-hmm. but then I said when I told him, no, thank you, I'm not interested. And then he kept pursuing. I said, listen, bud, nice try, but I'm good, right? Yep. So he he didn't take the cue. No, he he starts to storm away down the street. But as he does, he turns and he starts cursing at me. What? And he's calling me names names me? I can't repeat here on the Eon wow. Project. I'm sure you've been called worse. So and he started to get real angry, but he continued in a forward direction. So I went ahead and called the authorities. Oh, so the uh, the, the the police showed up at my house, and I told the guy what I told him what he did. Right. 
So apparently he didn't have a permit to be going door to door. So my, my next question was going to be, don't you need a, you need a permit you these do. days to do that, right? You do. So what they did was they, uh, they took the young man and they put him in the back of their vehicle and they drove him to a seedy section of another town and Where dropped they, him off. They didn't beat him first? Nope, they didn't beat him. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't put the boots to so, him before I don't know what off? happened to that guy, but. Oh, he, was, he never came back. He didn't. He didn't come back. So you got what you wanted. So here we are once again at the halfway point of the show. Thirty-two minutes and counting, actually, as I look at my timer. Oh. And we always like to do uh, change things up. We like to do a little segment in the middle of the show to kind of break up the the different topics at hand. We break up the topics all the time. We do break them up. Uh, so we always like to try different different things. Uh, we've done some readings. We've done some musical numbers. Personals from Maine. We've done some personals from Maine. So this one is is kind of along the lines, but. As we stated earlier uh, on, on previous episodes, you know, we're cultured men here. Um, and so we're, we're, what we're going to do with this bit is we're going to com- combine two of our favorite things. Um, we really enjoyed the movie and the book Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, yes. Because we're uh, considerate lovers. Um, not to each other, not of course. Not to each other, no. To other people. Yeah. Well, we, wives. We think. Our wives. Yes. Not someone else's. No, no, no. Our own individual wives that stay with us. That's correct. So we enjoy the Fifty Shades of Grey, but we also hearken back to a time in our lives, uh, childhood, if you will, when um, we enjoyed playing the game Mad Libs. Do you remember the Mad Libs game? Oh, I love Mad Libs. Mad Libs was terrific. Yeah. So we, you know, it's where you have like a, a, a paragraph or something, and then you have to fill in certain words. Like you just ask somebody, na- do a noun, and then they give you a noun. And That's then, correct. In the end, you end up with some sort of gibberish. Com- uh, That's right. Yes. So what we're doing here today on the, on the Eon Project is we're going to do our own version of this. And it's going to be called uh, Fifty Shades of Mad Libs. All right. <laughs> All right. So what I'm going to do is I have a little uh, I have a little paragraph here. If you hear my papers rustling, I, I apologize, pa- I but I'm just rustling. trying to get uh, situated here. Okay. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to go through. I'm going to ask Mike uh, some different uh, words that he's going to give me different uh, nouns. And, and this is not rehearsed. This we is not rehearsed. Not, no, we ha- I didn't even know we were going to do this. No, nope. so this is good. So as we go down here, just give me whatever the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. And then once it's done, I'm going to go ahead and read what we came up with. Sounds good. All right. So give me a body part. Leg. Oh, leg. Oh, okay. Uh, give me an adjective. Sultry. Oh, is that an adjective? Yes. Okay. Give me a noun. A noun. Um, house. House. Hmm. Interesting. Give me another body part. Toe. Oh no. <laughs> I don't like that word. I know. Noun. Television. Television. Okay. Oh, another body part. Finger. Oh, I like the way that sounds. How about a verb ending in S? A verb ending in S. Runs. Oh, you had the runs this morning, didn't you? Nope, not An- today. Another body part. Another oh. body part? There's too many body parts. Uh, There's a few more. I would say eyeball. Eyeball. That could be erotic. Another body part. Eyebrow. Oh, I get you. I see where you're going with this. Give me a verb. A verb. Um, hit. Hit. How about another body part? Foot. <laughs> and uh, I need an adjective. Something to describe something. Smelly. Smelly. And I hope this I, is going to be good. I, I hope this is good. This isn't good this radio. This is a lot of work. <laughs> I need another noun. Give me a noun. Another noun. Guitar. Oh, where'd you get that from? I have no idea. All right. I need a verb ending in ing. Uh, a verb ending in ing. Yeah. Swimming. Swimming. Hmm. Okay. Uh, an adjective. An adjective. Uh, dumb. 
describe. Okay. Uh, body part again. Again. Um, Almost done. Hand. Hand. A verb ending in S. A verb ending in S. Uh, <laughs> a verb ending in S. Uh, how about... Um, anything, anything. Anything. Uh, swings. 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 And a level of intensity. A level of intensity. Um, violent. Ooh. Okay. All right, so here we go. Here we go, the Mad Libs. Fifty Shades of Mad Libs. Here we go. Let me put my sultry voice on. <clears throat> yes. Suddenly he grabs me, tipping me across his leg. <clears throat> With one sultry movement, he angles his house so my toe is resting on the television beside him. <laughs> he throws his right finger over both mine and runs his left eyeball on the small of my eyebrow. That's disturbing. Holding me down so I cannot hit. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. He places his foot on my smelly guitar, <laughs> softly swimming me, stroking around and around his dumb palm. And then his hand is no longer there. And he swings me violently. Ooh. Whoa. That's great. Yeah. I don't like the eyebrow on the eyeball. You didn't like the, on the eyeball on the eyebrow? It's no, a disturbing visual. How about the voice, though? Should I have done it more like good. a lady voice? No, no, no. The, your, your, um, your androgynous voice is, is perfect for that. <laughs> so you couldn't tell You couldn't tell if I was no, a, man, a baritone woman, woman or a... No, uh, could be anything. Oh. Okay. Well, now that that little nonsense is over, we're going to move to the second half of our program. Um, and that's going to be... We're going to be discussing a unique phenomenon, not a unique phenomenon, a phenomenon that I've found interesting for the past uh, many, many years. Mm. And that's going to be uh, that certain... Uh, specifically, serial killers will contact authorities mm. or the press during their crimes, during their crime spree. Yes. So I'm not talking about, uh, and, and this is there's an important distinction here, and that's um, a lot of killers throughout the years, uh, throughout history, have left clues on purpose for the police to find. Right. You know, in some sort of weird uh, uh, challenge to the police to find them or whatever. I'm not discussing that. I'm d- discussing when they actually take the step of contacting people outside, kind of contacting the authorities. Um, either by letters or by calling or whatever the case may be, um, while their crime spree is taking place. Right. So that's a very unique phenomenon. Why do they do that? Why would somebody call and taunt the police or taunt the authorities or you know what's what's behind all that? Are you asking me or you, no? That's, that's a rhetorical, just a rhetorical ah, question. Gotcha. Don't, don't jump ahead. Okay. So throughout the years, killers have seen fit to contact law enforcement media after after their crimes and had some sort of weird fascination with it. So we're going to discuss a few of them. Um, some of them you probably know, and some of you have ne- may never have heard of. Mm. We're not going to get into the again the, the killings themselves, but more you know the contacting that they that they're doing during their crime spree. Yep. So why do they do it? What's in it for them? And how does it turn out for them? So probably the most famous one of the most <clears throat> pardon me one of the most famous serial killers of all time was also one who contacted the police, and that's going to be Jack the Ripper. Oh yes. So we're going to discuss Jack the Ripper a little bit. So perhaps the most famous killer to taunt police with correspondence would have been Jack the Ripper. Uh, the still unknown killer was attributed with at least five deaths in, one, in London's Whitechapel district over several several months in 1888 and 1889. Yeah, so that, that could be, I mean, obviously we're only going to delve a little bit into it, but that could be a whole show on its own. Of course, all of these could be a whole yeah. show. We're just going to discuss yep. a little bit about the, about the case and a little bit about what they did. Mm. So this all started uh, soon after the murders began. Multiple people began writing letters to police claiming to be the killer. Again, I'm not discussing the crimes. I'm just discussing yep. the, the, the people there. Um, 
Most of these letters were deemed to be fake, either by crazy people or journalists looking to get a big story, you know, and that sort of thing. Uh, but one letter in particular was singled out for potentially being genuinely from the killer. So, because of a few different reasons. Number one, it was received after two of the murders. Well, let's say, just to give you a time frame, it was received after two of the murders and about a month after the first murder happened. Mm -hmm. it, it's actually become known as the Dear Boss letter. Have you ever heard yeah. of this? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm not going to read the whole letter, although I do have a transcript of it. Oh. I'm going to read parts of it. And it's called the Dear Boss letter because it's addressed to Dear Boss. Yes. This was received by a, uh, a media a, a newspaper at the time. Mm -hmm. So... It's, it's entitled, Dear Boss, I keep hearing the police have caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. Um, going on, I love my work and I want to start again. You will soon be here, here of me and my funny little games. I have saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with, but it went thick like glue and I can't use it. Obviously, he's referring to blood. Correct. He collected the blood. That's right. Uh, red ink is a good enough fit. Ha ha. He added ha ha. Mm. He's, very, he's a comedian. He didn't do LOL? No. No. So here's where it gets interesting. So the next job I do, I shall clip the lady's ears off and send to the police officers just for jolly. Wouldn't you? No, I wouldn't because that's sick. Keep this letter back. Here's what's important. Keep this letter back till I do a bit more work, then give it out straight. So he's basically saying, hold on to this letter. Yeah. I'm going to do something to yeah, prove that this letter exactly. is, is yeah. he, real. He wants to prove that he's the one that's actually sending this. It's not a hoax. Correct. And then he signs it, yours truly, Jack the Ripper. That's where the name Jack the Ripper came from. It was from this Dear Boss letter. Mm. Before that, it was just known as the Whitechapel murderer or something. You know, I find that interesting because a lot of the uh, modern serial killers are given names by other people. That's correct. This guy gave himself he a name. gave himself a and name. boy, he picked a good one. Well, Dennis Rader ended up giving himself a nickname to the BTK killer. Bind, torture, kill? Yeah, we're going to discuss him very briefly later, but not, not, not too much. So what's interesting about the letter, obviously, like I said, it's the first time that he gave himself a name, Jack the Ripper, but also because he says, keep this letter back until I do a bit more work. Four days after the Dear Boss letter, a postcard was sent to the Central News Agency in London in what's believed to be the same handwriting as the first one, saying, I was not codding, codding, which I guess means kidding, mm. codding. He was not a good speller either. Oh. Uh, dear old boss, when I gave you the tip, you will hear about Saucy's Jack work tomorrow. Double event this time. So the day after um, this letter, this postcard was received, excuse me, the day before this postcard was received was the double event murder. There was two murders attributed to Jack the Ripper. So the, um, here you have not only a reference to the first letter using the same terminology, mm. but also taking credit for the double murder the day before. Yes. So you have basically the postcard that he sent validated the first letter. So now now the police think that they're dealing with the actual killer because they have a number of similarities between the right, two. And, and they correspond with each other. Correct. Yeah. But most grossly, out of all of this, on October 16th of 1888, uh, George Lusk, the president of the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, received a cardboard box in the mail. Uh, inside was half a human kidney. Pervert, uh, preserved in wine, along with the following letter. This I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there's a little bit. Um, that along with the kidney, there was this letter. So a the medical analysis said that the that the kidney was very similar to one that was removed from Catherine Eddowes, one of the victims of the double event that mm. I just discussed. But the findings were not conclusive because back in those days they didn't have DNA, right? No scientific uh, testing, no, all rudimentary stuff. They couldn't tell exactly where it came from, but. The, the letter that was with the kidney said was addressed from hell, which yep, that's there was actually a Johnny Depp movie called From Hell, which it is was. not a bad movie. It wasn't too bad. It's okay about Jack the Ripper. Uh, and it's addressed from hell. Mr. Lusk, sir, I send you half the kidney I took from one woman and preserved it 
for you. Uh, I, the other piece, I fried and ate it. Oh. This is disgusting. So, signed, uh, catch me when you can, Mr. Lusk. So, again, you have, I, I think the purpose of this killer sending the correspondence was to say, I'm the killer. Here's mm. evidence. You know, this is this is proof that I did it. Here's so he, he's, he's taunting the authorities. He's basically right. saying, hey, try to catch me if you can. That's correct. So after this letter, uh, and actually, actually uh, soon after the letter stopped, no more victims were attributed to the Ripper. Uh, but to this day, no one has been proven to be the killer, although there's no shortage of suspects. There's there's a million suspects, and every once in a while you'll see uh, on TV that they'll say, oh, Jack the Ripper case solved. Yeah. It's never solved, and yep. as a as a fan of the genre, there's, there's actually a term for people who are interested in the Jack the Ripper case. They're called Ripperologists, yeah. which is a pretty cool name, I think. Um, there's been suspects for, you know, since it happened, and, and there's been no conclusive evidence either way that it's, it, some people said it was an American that was over yeah. there on business or whatever the case may be. Yeah, they're trying now. The the big thing is they're trying to tie up uh, H H Holmes into That's being correct. the Ripper. That's correct. Although, uh, th- thinking forensically, it's probably unlikely just because the method of operation of H H Holmes was not uh, a, a direct contact of uh, stabbing and using a knife right. on their victims like the Ripper was. He was more into the um, gassing and poisoning and from mm. afar. So you could. It's not easy for killers to go from one to the other. They're right. either they're either this type of killer or they're another type. Yeah. So that's probably not likely, in my opinion. I'm not an expert. Yeah, I mean, I actually have a Jack the Ripper book over here on the shelf behind us. Called, uh, basically, uh, Case Closed is kind of one of, a bit of the title there. Yes. And the book is compelling, and it makes a good case. But uh, they they rely on DNA evidence, which okay. I don't. I don't get how they have anything to compare it well, to. Well, I think probably what they compare it to is the, the letters. So they, they look at the if there was saliva used to seal right. They did the they, letters. Supposedly they did collect saliva from the envelopes, but but they but Not you need something though. to compare it to though. Like you could lick an envelope Correct. all day long, right? It doesn't matter unless I compare it to you personally. Won't I won't know if it matches you. Well, no, but they can they can compare it to suspects that they may have. So like let's say they suspect it's H H Holmes. They can go to H H Holmes. Uh, body and take a DNA sample. Possibly. And, anyway, but that's not hasn't happened yet, as far as I know. So that's that's Jack the Ripper. He contacted the police, and he was kind of a dirtbag. Yeah. So moving on. Have you ever heard of the Axeman of New Orleans? And I'm not talking about somebody who's really good at the guitar. It was th- some people? Oh, is that is that Robert Johnson? Wasn't he the Axeman of New Orleans? No. Oh no, wait. He was from. Uh, he was from uh, the uh, Delta. Mississippi. Mississippi Delta. Yeah. No, the Axeman of New Orleans, which is a fascinating case. If anybody wants to do any research on it, so. Mm. Between 1918 and 1919, six people were brutally murdered in New Orleans by someone who came to be known as the Mad Axeman of New Orleans. Essentially, somebody was breaking into homes by using a chisel, and they were removing the door panels. You know how, like, doors have panels on them? Oh, yeah. Uh, He was taking a a chisel, removing door panels, and then using an axe to kill his victims while they slept and escape into the night. The attacks left panic in their wake. People began to see the attacker in every shadow and around every corner. Some described him as being a tall, thin man while others claim that he was a man dressed in women's clothes, which is scary. Was it you? Oh, it could have been. Still others claim that the killer was a woman, or that the, it was a man but was a midget, because they were able to get into such small spaces. Ah, so they cover a little hole and they crawl through That's there. That's correct. That's mm. how he was getting into people's houses. I'll tell you what, a killer axe-wielding midget. That's, that's scary as hell. That is scary. I don't want any part of that. Yee. Otherwise, how could they fit through the small hole, as I said? Others whispered even stranger tales that perhaps the killer was not of this earth. A vengeful spirit, perhaps, or even the devil himself come to Earth to punish New Orleans for its sins. Yeah, we all know the things that go on down there. Creepy enough, right? But uh, this killer also sent letters to the police. Why not? Um, 
Actually, this one didn't go to the police. It went to uh, the media. Oh. And it was addressed, again, from hell, March 13th, 1919. And it's addressed... And, and this one is actually... I, I can't read the whole thing because it's a uh, very long... Uh, and this, this letter was written by somebody who had a very... Um, their bent was very uh, mysterious into the occult. And mm-hmm. it references a lot of esoteric subjects and stuff. And I'm not going to get into all of that. But um, it's addressed to esteemed mortal... Oh. Meaning that he's probably not immortal. Yeah. Right? They have never caught me, and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible. Even as the ether that surrounds your earth, I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orlinians and your foolish police call the Axe Man. So he's acknowledging that he's the Axe Man. And he's he's trying to to build himself up more than he is to frighten people even more. Yes. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know who they shall be. I shall leave no clue except for my bloody axe be smeared with blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. So this references an ancient belief that some people have mm. that if you kill somebody, whether it's in battle or murder or whatever the case may be, they become your servants in the afterlife. Have you ever run across this theory before? No, but I'll tell you what. I, I just heard a word that, I, that isn't used nearly enough anymore. What's that? Be smeared. Be smeared. Yeah, you yeah. don't hear that too much. So... Again, the, the letter is long and lengthy, and I won't, I won't read the whole thing, but this is an interesting part. So, he continues. Now, to be exact, at 12.15 earthly time, again, insinuating that he's not of this earth, mm-hmm. next Tuesday night, I'm going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition for you people. Here it is. I am very fond of, uh, fond. I am very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions. Nether regions. Like below the belt? <laughs> That's what I thought. Oh. Every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well, then so much the better for you people. It's like the jazz version of Passover? Yes, exactly right. Yeah. One thing is certain, that is some of you people who do not jazz it up on Tuesday night (laughs) will get the axe. Oh my God. Scary, right? I'll be jazzing it up like crazy. So that Tuesday, people started blaring jazz music, clubs stayed open late, there was basic hysteria. Everybody was blasting the the uh, jazz music in the hopes that Man, they would avoid the... That's, that's a good ploy to get people sure. to play music. So what do you think happened that night? Nobody was killed. Nobody was killed. Oh. So, but the attacks did continue until a few months later uh, where the Axeman was credited with killing one last guy and then he disappeared. Some people say that he got caught for something else. Some people say that he left town. Uh, and some think that he was actually a demon. Um... I don't know about this one. This is a very interesting case because basically you have the taunting, mm. you have insinuations that this person is not of this earth, that, that, that they're a demon, and you have a warning. And and for all intents and purposes, it worked. Yeah. He had all these people uh, terrorized. They were doing exactly what he said. And I'm sure that he got a lot of a pleasure from that. You know, the, the actual crime itself reminds me of another uh, famous axe murder, and that was the Velisca axe murder. Yes, uh, and, uh, we can talk uh, about Iowa. that on another show. That was an very, interesting case, but, interesting. but that was a similar uh, murder in the sense that uh, a an axe-wielding madman mm-hmm. uh, murdered a whole entire family as they slept in and their farmhouse. also unsolved. Uns- yeah, correct. That could be another whole show, because yes. not only do you have the horrible uh, murders that took place, but then um, the Velisca axe murder house is now a basically a tourist attraction that's supposedly very haunted. Right, and a lot of paranormal activity so, there. Yeah, so that's something we can discuss on a future show. Hmm. So you have the Mad Axeman of New Orleans, you have Jack the Ripper. Yeah. And again, uh, I'm going to get into just like really quickly that there's been a lot of these cases throughout the years. The Zodiac Killer mm. could fill 10 shows. I'm not going to do that. Um, it's too complicated of a story to con- include here. But basically, 
uh, the Zodiac Killer was someone who killed supposedly uh, at least five, but potentially many more in the San Francisco area in the late 1960s, early 70s. He also sent many letters to the press and to the police. He included ciphers on some of them that he claimed if you solve them would reveal his identity. Three of the four ciphers he sent were decrypted, but they did not reveal his identity. Mm. Uh, the fourth, the fourth one was never solved. Did you know that that there was one of the one of the Zodiac killers ciphers was never was never uh, yeah. I, and, and I guess it took them some serious uh, doing to be able to figure it out. It was pretty complex. I yeah. believe. Well, it, one of them was solved by a history teacher, and then another one like so they weren't solved by uh, by the police. A lot of them were solved by independent people who yeah. were looking into it. Uh, he used like a. a, a substitution cipher and then uh there's a couple of actually there's a very good movie called zodiac starring jake gyllenhaal mm. uh came out in 2007 i believe and it's got uh it's got a number of stars in it. robert downey jr's in it um it's got a bunch of people like that it's a very good movie it's long it's about three hours but it's worth definitely worth viewing if you haven't seen Co- it covers the uh the zodiac killer in depth covers uh, yeah hollywood style though, co- of course. covers it yeah it covers it in depth it actually gives some suspects uh and and leaves you as you say, it leaves you um, thinking that it's one person when yeah. when it actually may or may not be that person, but that they f- they framed the movie to look like that. I see. Um, so that's the Zodiac. The BTK killer, Dennis Rader, sent police uh, letters taunting the police. You know, I read a book about uh, I read a book on Dennis Rader, and uh, man, what a what a twisted individual. Yeah. And you know what fascinates me? Uh, not to cut you off. No, but no, no. What fascinates ahead. me about serial killers in general is that how they go from. Uh, a lot of times they go from nothing in terms of like committing these crimes right. to like at some point something sets them off to the point where they're going to kill people. Right. And, and then they, of course, they develop their uh, individual and signature style around that. Now, you've, re- you've read about the BTK killer. Isn't yeah. it true that had he not contacted the authorities that he probably would have never been caught? There were certain things that he said in his letters that right. led police to find he him. He became more and more brazen right. in his in his letters to authorities. Right. Um, he basically he, he basically uh, bagged himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, another similar. Uh, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, mm. who killed uh, I think he I think he killed three or four people. Hey, good bombs. show documentary coming out on Unibomber on Discovery Channel uh, next week. Really, it looks pretty good. Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, went for years without being detected, and the only reason he was caught. Was he sent this huge manifesto to the to uh, newspapers mm-hmm. that they he said that they needed to publish or he would blow more people up? They published it, and one of his relatives saw the writing and said, "Hey, that sounds like Ted." Yeah, and turns out it was Ted. You know, there's not enough manifestos uh, generated these days. I haven't written a manifesto yet, but I may. You should. Son of Sam, who we discussed on a previous show, also sent letters to the police. Um, the DC snipers, John Lee Malvo and John Allen Muhammad, yep, uh, left death cards at the scene. Did you know that, that they left death, death cards mm. and um, also sent letters to authorities? So why do these killers feel the need to contact police and or the press? Is it a need for attention, as some people claim? Uh, do they need the sense of superiority that they get from taunting the authorities? Maybe they feel like by sensationalizing their crimes, they can terrorize more people, as you mentioned earlier. Or are they just trying to insert themselves into the investigation? What What's the reason why um, they feel the need to contact? If, if they really didn't want to get caught, wouldn't they just stay below the radar? Some people, some, one of the theories is that they eventually do want to get caught right. to stop their their own reign of terror because they don't know how to control their uh, their emotions, their 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 desires to kill people. So that right. that's one theory. You know, the other theory, very in, uh, psychologically uh, advanced uh, theories of why people do these things. But like you said, yeah, an, an air of superiority, like uh, I'm so good that you'll never catch me no matter what I do or what I say. Right. Um, well, it worked out for a couple of them. Yeah. Never caught the Axeman, never caught Jack the Ripper. Um, 
didn't work out well for some of the others. You know, there's there's a number of I forget what the actual statistics are, but um, serial killers, active serial killers, operating in the country as we speak right now. Yeah, I think it's I think they said between 25 and 50 mm. in, in the United States alone. That's a lot. And, and uh, yeah, considering that they're unknown. And then I've always discussed we've discussed this off off the air before, but if if somebody was smart enough to simply change their method of operations then their their killings could go unnoticed for many many years cuz it just keeps changing. Yeah, I mean there there probably are some throughout history like that, but I think the majority of them uh you know part of their psychological profile is that they get wrapped in a certain methodology right. and that's that's what they do, that's what they're comfortable with. Well, they you get, know? Uh, just like yeah. just like much the average person like you have your own uh habit and way of doing things, like certain ways that you get up in the morning, you go yes. to the bathroom, you have your own routine. Yes. Uh, you know, I do have routines. You do? Yeah. Yeah. Much to the detriment of my family who have to go into the bathroom after I've been in there. Mm. They don't like that. You don't like the, do you know, do you, let me ask you this. Do you, after you've, uh, you know, relieved yourself mm-hmm. in a, uh, Take care of my in a, in a f- uh, solid fashion, mm-hmm. do you, uh, do you like to spray the floral arrangement around the bathroom? Sometimes or? I find that the floral arrangement makes it worse. It does. Because the smell of poo and, uh, and, and, and potpourri. And, yeah, poo and, together. and uh, chrysanthemums. You know, I won't mention him on lilacs. I won't mention him on the air, but I used to have a roommate uh, back in my early days who was a nice guy, a uh, very nice uh, nice man. Yep. However, had this terrible habit of these horrible bowel movements that he would take. Okay. And then after he was done, he would gargle with Listerine. So when you go into the oh. bathroom, you would smell this horrible yeah. mixture of, of just poo and listerine. And I think I know who you're referring to. Whenever I smell listerine to this day, I think of that individual. Was he the he didn't he spend hours on end in a bathroom? No, that was somebody else. Oh, that oh. was somebody else. No, oh, oh, this, this is yeah, we won't we won't tell who it is. Okay, but anyway, okay. So yeah, so that's serial killers. Why they call contact the police? Uh, we we may never know. We may never know, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, like we can delve into into each one of these cases more in depth because I find them quite interesting. Sure, uh, certain aspects and certain um, serial killer cases. Yes. Yep. So before we wrap it up today, uh, as I believe we're coming to the end of the program, uh, I want to be able to give out the uh, the website. Yeah. It's theeonproject.com. It's yep. T H E E O N Project.com. Mm. Also, you can contact us at theeonproject at yahoo.com. We love to hear from you. Feedback, guest suggestions. Um, whatever the case may be, we're working on some, some cool stuff coming up. We're looking at uh, revamping the website a little bit. We've got some guests that we're trying to line up right now to, to uh, expand the horizons of the program. That's true. You know, we're, we're slowly growing each and every day. Every day. Slowly, mind you. Yeah. Uh, but you know, like, we, like Mike stated at the beginning of the show, we have some uh, international listeners, which we uh, certainly appreciate, and plus all the, the listeners across the, uh, the United States. Uh, and there's a few states on the map yet that we've yet to tick off. Yep. Which I'm trying to uh, Idaho. Get on trying it, to Idaho. Do, trying to do that. So if you know anybody uh, that lives in a different state than you do, and you're listening, then uh, send it out there, and I uh, like to get some uh, clicks and listens uh, all across the world. And we also appreciate ratings uh, mm. on uh, iTunes on the iTunes Store. Every time you give us a rating, or somebody gives us a rating, and they give us a review, it actually increases our our visibility. More people are able to see the show. We're gonna able, we're gonna be able to do more and exciting things with the program. Yeah, and we're gonna send prizes out. We're, you know what? We are working on on uh, potentially having uh, prizes, giveaways, uh, branded merchandise. And if you're someone that has had a paranormal experience or knows somebody or has some good, good, interesting, mysterious stories that you'd like to share with us, we'd be more than happy to like to put you on and talk to you. Right. Not just ghosts or anything like that, but UFOs, any type of, <clears throat> any type of esoteric subject that you have experience with. 
don't know, yeah, don't feel intimidated. I know we, we come off as really, really intelligent. All the time. We know everything about everything. Yep. Yep. Uh and uh, you know, it's tough to hold a candle to what some of the things we do here. But uh, let us let let it let it be known that we welcome all comers. Yeah, if you want to talk about what something that you're interested in, maybe you've done some research on. You don't have to be a published author or anything like that. Definitely not. Let us know. We'll have you on the show, and uh, it'll be very fun and exciting. That's right. So, what are we going to talk about next week? Oh, you know what? We don't know for sure, but I'll, we'll tell you this: um, because of the fact that we missed last week, yep. um, we're going to be putting out another uh, episode here. Uh, very shortly on top of this one. Yeah, we're going to so do a bunch in a row. We're going to try to keep cranking them out and uh, and hopefully not dilute any of the uh, content in no, the process. No, every week is radio gold. Gold. Yep. So remember, until next time, the truth exists. Believe it. <laughs>